0: Welcome to the Design the Future podcast, where we talk with women leading the way towards a better built world. Design the Future is hosted by me, Lindsay Baker, with Kira Gould. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Design the Future podcast. It's good to be with you. This is Lindsay. And this is Kira. Hi, Lindsay. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Great. Join the fall. Yeah. Yeah. It's getting chilly here. I actually I'm, I'm headed to New York in a couple hours and um, and I'm like doing that thing that Californians do where I'm like, wait, what shoes are reasonable for cold weather? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and do you I own socks? And where would those? Yeah.
0: Be? <laughs> yeah. And remembering like some socks are better than other socks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, love so, I love it. And of course, yeah. I'm madly jealous that you're going to New York.
0: Oh. oh, I know. I especially this time of year for those of us. Yeah. If you don't listen to the podcast all the time, then you may not know that Kira and I share a love New York City. And like, it's, it's a nice time of year to be in New York City, I think is this oh, like it's yes. crisp. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I'm actually I want to give a shout out. One of the things I'm going to get to do while I'm there, not in New York City, but a little bit outside is to attend an event for Design for Freedom at Grace Farms up in New Haven, Connecticut, which if folks are not familiar with that program, they work on issues around human rights and the supply chain. For building materials, and they also get to have their headquarters in this beautiful landscape up in Connecticut. So, I'm super excited to be there with all those ladies and to talk through the work that they're doing, and and just yeah, hear from folks on that that effort.
1: So. That's great. I look forward to hearing the report out from that, and that sounds amazing. I've not been there myself, but I've heard great things. Of course, the organization is doing very interesting work, but I've heard the the headquarters is amazing.
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. So I'm excited. A little, a little Northeast time. What's going on with you, Kira? What's exciting?
1: Well, mostly just leading up to COP, really. Lots of COP prep. As many people know, I am a senior fellow with Architecture 2030, and they have a big delegation going and a bunch of virtual delegates in a pilot program this year. And so lots of communications work going on getting ready for that so that's that's occupying my my brain space right now (laughs) Ah, architecture 2030 just does so much good stuff around cop it's
0: really yeah if if i i'm I'm so excited and very honored to be tagging along on their hotel block Uh, absolutely absolutely (laughs) (laughs) it's gonna be nice to be around all the smart people that kind of orbit around architecture 2030 for my my first COP. But yeah, it, it's really great the the way that Architecture 2030 engages with COP stuff. And I remember talking with Vince and, and with Ed Mazria about this, even like, uh, maybe even two years ago, when I just started trying to figure out like, oh, should we go to this? Yep. And uh, yeah, if folks want to know more about what happens at COP
1: around buildings,
0: they're a great resource. Thanks in large part to you, Kira, of course. Oh. <laughs>
1: No, that's, I appreciate that they've always made it a priority and they really use it to build relationships and build collaborations that then sort of fuel the work all year round. And it's just, it's amazing. It's such an energizer too. So yeah, it's exciting to work on it. Yeah, totally.
0: Yeah. And if folks are, if you know someone who's going to cop or if you're trying to get connected into things that are happening, feel free to reach out to Kira and I, I'm guessing this is going to get published right around the time that <laughs> I'll be <That's> frantically right. <laughs> preparing. That's right. So uh, yeah, we want to see people while we're there. Well, I want to see people while I'm there. And I know Kira will have a lot of connections and, and things to, to help with. So we hope everybody can have a good experience if, if they're going. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And it's interesting about what things you can follow along with. If you're not going, I am holding down the fort <laughs> at home. And, you know, there's lots of things you can attend virtually if you want to sort of pipe in and hear things. It's really so there's a fair amount of that, which I really appreciate, too. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting.
1: I'm looking forward to it. and It is starting
0: to feel like it's looming, really. So yeah, that's a uh, that's certainly on my mind. But you know, actually, another thing that's on my mind this week is that I just posted on LinkedIn because we heard the news that our my dear former employer, WeWork, has declared bankruptcy. And so I have been thinking a lot about WeWork and my time there. And it is coincidental entirely that our guest for today... <laughs> As someone we are not really going to talk about. We work a lot, but we are delighted to have an amazing person with us today who I got to know better during that particular era of my life. So let's make the transition to, to talking with Seema today. Our guest today is Seema Bangar. Welcome, Seema.
2: Thanks. Hi, Lindsay. Hi, Kira.
0: Hi, welcome. We're so happy to have you. So I'm going to give A little bit of a quick bio for Seema, and then um, she'll tell us a little bit more about herself and all of her work. Seema Bangar, PhD, serves as Principal Healthy Buildings and Communities for the Innovation and Research Team at the U.S. Green Building Council. She previously held program manager and technical lead roles at the commercial real estate firm WeWork and an environmental sensing technology startup, ACLIMA. She serves on a National Academy's expert committee and the board of an independent nonprofit, the Indoor Air Institute. She will soon be a visiting scholar at the Center for the Built Environment at UC Berkeley, where she completed her postdoc and PhD in environmental engineering and an MS in public health. And as a side note, I will say that I have been a fan of Sema for a long time since she was working with Aclama and I think maybe even before we kind of ran into each other in Berkeley circles. So I'm particularly excited. We have been planning to have Sema on the pod for a long time and uh, we're just waiting for the right moment. And so today is that right moment. We're really happy to have you, Sema. So tell us a little bit about how and why you got involved with buildings and health and yeah, your path to where you are today.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Lindsay. It does feel like the right moment. I've been in my new role at USGBC for about six months now. And, you know, it's, so it's all very new in some ways. And I can trace a little bit of my story of how I got here, how I got into the green building movement, which is a relatively recent journey for me, uh, relative to many people who've been there since, since the start, since the 30 year inception of USGBC. But it also feels in many ways like a, like a homecoming because I've, I often am self-conscious when I'm introducing my story in different audiences because it is not a straight line career trajectory, but coming to green buildings and especially to help in buildings, you know, pulls a lot of those strands together. And in my current job, I there's not one part of my journey that is left behind. So that's just immensely satisfying and enjoyable. And I also love New York. I can't finish this intro without... Without sharing that, I loved hearing you and Kira talk about that. Uh, I got engaged in New York. It was the first city when I came to the United States where I spent significant time and really fell in love with it as well. So, but that's a bit of an aside. Yeah, I can walk through a bit of my, a a bit of my story and map some of it for you, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. Also, I love that you got engaged in New York. I did not know that. That's so cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We've known each other a long time. It's really a pleasure to be here with you, Lindsay. And I hope I hope I can have more revelations that are things that you didn't know. That's my goal for this.
0: Totally. Totally. This well, yeah. So tell us. Yeah. Give us the story. Give us the backstory.
2: So, yeah, I, I started out actually in the social sciences for my bachelor degree and as I was reflecting today, I was thinking, wow, I, my first field research project I did was on HIV AIDS. So it was, it was assessing, it was interview-based, you know, evaluating people in my native hometown of Bombay. And it suddenly struck me that was the other big pandemic of our time, also tied to a novel RNA virus. And from that, I made a jump to education. I taught at a school for a little while, wanted to come back. I really was interested in getting a more kind of science, math and science. I was teaching math and science in the middle school. So came back to graduate school in the environmental health sciences. And the first project I had there, field research project, was on indoor air quality in India. Uh, It was biomass cook stove. And we used low-cost sensors, very different than what they look like now. This was 20 years ago, and we were in our lab soldering you know, first alert, smoke alert, smoke alarm, smoke alarms to convert them into data logging, continuous monitoring sensors. So very, you know, early days in the, in the sensing world. And I was working in a lab that was also involved in the kind of climate health nexus at that time. And then from there, I kind of had, you know, pragmatic reasons to shift to environmental engineering, uh, finished up my work at UC Berkeley with also moving into the microbiome world and chemistry of indoor world. So looked at, really retained a focus on indoor air quality, but from many different angles. And right then when I was finishing my postdoc was when the world of big data, sensors, you know, was really starting up in the industry. And so I joined an indoor air quality tech startup right here in Silicon Valley and worked on that for a little bit, had a chance to really get my hands, enjoy you know the big data sets that were so elusive to us uh, in in graduate school every every data point we collected was hard one, so it was very exciting to be looking at a data set back then, one of the early you know users of the technology was Google and looking at data sets of you know more than ten sensor parameters per location collected across. You know, 500 sites across multiple countries. So that was really my intro to the help in buildings world. And uh, I got very interested in seeing it from, you know, back then, what we would call the client side. And so that's how I joined you, Lindsay, at WeWork and was really kind of excited to have a very unique opportunity through the team that you were setting up to work on, you know, sensors, in the context of looking at building health more broadly and also more broadly in the context of green buildings. So that was my entry. And then I I came to USGBC about six months ago to, again, further deepen into sustainability world.
1: I love that. So many things you said really struck a chord with me, particularly you started off by explaining that it was a nonlinear path and how you're sometimes, you know, that gave you pause when you were introducing yourself. I think that actually that is so common in this field. Many, mm-hmm. many people have touched on a number of things before they sort of landed in this part of our industry. So I mm-hmm. I actually think that's such a positive attribute <laughs> to your story and inspiring too to a lot of people who may be weaving their way towards some part of this field. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, I wanted to ask a little bit about for those I mean, when you talk to people who might be interested in working on healthy building issues, and you know, how do you, what do you how do you recommend that they think about this this part of the field, or what should they be thinking about if they're interested in it?
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It is. I think maybe for sustainability writ large, we we often see non linear paths, but I would say within that, the health healthy buildings field is even more non linear. It's we're still inventing that piece of the of the puzzle, and it's actually I would say it's even an open question: Is it a field? I've asked myself that m- many times, <laughs> many you know late nights uh, awake thinking, am I in a field or am I doing a thing that's going to then lead to another thing? And you know, I think my tentative running hypothesis is that it probably is a field, but that it's going to be different. It's not as standalone as you know, say, energy work, I think it also needs to really infuse a lot of other fields. And by it, I mean the area of expertise. So in terms of how you get into it, what you do, I think, you know, as my story, I hope illustrates, there's many, you know, many pathways. I do find when I talk to my peers and, you know, the people I really admire and turn to in the healthy buildings area that a public health degree of some kind is often a common thread. So Mm -hmm. I think you can't go wrong. But I really appreciated what Lori Kerr said on one of your episodes, where, you know, I think it's really helpful to not go for public health alone, but to have deep expertise in some other adjacent area. And it doesn't matter which, I think it it can be flexible, which it is. When I talk to my peers, you know, some of them have the deep ancillary expertise in in architecture or in, you know, in my case, it's in, in engineering and indoor air quality. So I think that really, you know, I think that really helps. And I think there's also a mindset. I think there's a mindset of sort of buckling up, you know, being in for a kind of inventive process that's driven by curiosity and a lot of uh, willingness to be wrong, but to set up systems so that you can know when something is wrong, you know, so you're doing things with the idea that you're testing things and really having that peer group and community for me, has been paramount because it's not it's not an easy ride to be in a new field and you need your people. So invest in them is my biggest advice.
1: That's great. And I love buckle in or buckle up <laughs> as a general piece of advice. And, you know, with respect to all the things that it, it, there's a lot of unknowns in in fields that are so nascent and developing and evolving and so that's very good advice. I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit um, I mean you touched on how you got to this current role but if you could tell us a little bit about your role at USGBC what you're and what you're doing there.
2: Yeah, so I'm in your intro you mentioned I'm on a research and innovation team. It's a new team and a new function at USGBC or I don't know if new is accurate. It's a, it's a revived we've revived our a deeper emphasis that we might have had in the past. And so the idea with having a dedicated research function is really around, you know, activating that learning and feedback loop, which is, I think, very much a part of our theory of change with green building kind of strategies and the movement as a whole. And so my role is, it feels like a real privilege because it feels like something that we're all doing, but you know other people have a day job as they're doing it as they're as they're working on that research and learning and innovation loop and i get to do that full time and to think about how to support and amplify you know all the efforts within the organization and within the movement to do that and so you know in terms of tangible outcomes that i'm i'm starting to support and looking to support uh, one is, I might call it product optimization. There's no great word for it, but it's the idea that there's so much, especially around health and building, so much new stuff out in the industry. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of action. And you know, I'm, I'm serving as a collector and funnel to bring some of that in and see how it can influence our different you know, programs and products and services at USGBC and then the other piece is really around, or maybe it's a related piece is around, you know, connecting to the right partners, building the right relationships so that we can build on what we're doing across the movement, across organizations and, you know, not be reinventing the wheel. So that that all might sound really vague, and I, you know, we can try and pin it down. But but those are the general themes of my work so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm
0: curious, like, I don't. To me, it sounds so logical, and I will be. I don't know if, I, if like a typical listener will will find it to be vague, because like it, in essence, so much of this is. I think something. I guess my my assumption has been for a long time that people in the AEC community assume that USGBC is is doing this work of mm-hmm. keeping up with the new innovations finding out what other organizations that are doing are doing that are interrelated to and inform, you know, the development of lead, et cetera. And I'm really just excited that you can frame it that way because it it's, you know, there's, there's a variety of different ways to do it, but the rebuilding of this dedicated research kind of team is, is just super exciting to me. I think it's it's always been necessary, but it's really necessary now. And, you know, for you all to have that charge I don't know. I, I suspect that if you were to ask like a typical lead practitioner, they would say like, "Yeah, yeah, that's not vague. We totally get it. We're really happy to hear that you're doing that work." So I'm just
2: going <laughs> to guess. I don't that. know.
0: I'm going <laughs> to guess that. Um, but but in case it feels too vague, can you? Um, and just in general, because I'm curious, can you share with us a specific you know project or two that you're working on now that you want us to know about?
2: Yeah, yeah, I can. And this year, my first six months here, the two more significant projects I've worked on have both been convenings. So, you know, one was very recent, probably the thing I got most excited about was a school IAQ research summit that our Center for Green Schools hosted, wonderful Anissa Hemming led by her. And, you know, the idea was really there. We brought together, I had a chance to kind of reach into my erstwhile or even now research community And bring them together with, in this case, it was schools earlier this year. We had another convening part of our partnership with the Chemical Insights Research Institute that was framed more around resilience for health. And so there we were bringing again, researchers. So there was this similarity. And in that case, you know, together with building practitioners and public health professionals. And so, you know, it's really, I think where I see, or I'm trying to think how to say this, the magic that can happen when we bring researchers to our communities of practice is you know where i've been operating and this year it's been about building these relationships building these partnerships having these convenings to lay the foundation to develop what next year my push will be much more into you know actual research projects frameworks for data collection research agenda. But one thing I know from being involved in deep research in the past is that, you know, the right research takes a long time to marinate and it lives on the foundation of the right data collection processes, the right, you know, networks of people coming together to make it happen. So a bit of an incubation phase this year and events is what I've done a lot of, but next year is going to look different. So.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I totally am not surprised that, yeah, as you said, like there's a, there's got to be that foundation there for the research and you're listening and you're yeah, uh, building the connections. That's super cool. Okay. Well, we could talk a lot more about that because I'm very curious about where you think the research agenda will go. But for now, I want to ask if you look back so far, what are you most proud of accomplishing in your work life?
2: Yeah, I think there's a part of me that wants to, especially since it's you, I'm talking to Lindsay that wants to say, <laughs> we did it. You hired me <laughs> to WeWork to build a sensor network to launch and operationalize a sensor network. And I'm really proud of making that happen uh, under very challenging circumstances, but also very conducive circumstances in the sense that, you know, the challenges of the COVID years and you know, other things we work was, was dealing with were also yours with, with a lot of industry attention and support for indoor air quality, a sort of rising tide. So that's the object or the thing that I'm very proud of. But, but what I'm proud of is not so much the thing itself because, you know, things have a certain shelf life, but it's, it's in my head, I was thinking of that sense of network as a metaphor for the network of, of people that I feel I've acquired. <laughs> if I think of my, you know, of myself as having a pot of gold, that really feels like the gold that I'm most um, not. I don't know if proud of is the right word, but that I hoard most. You know, I, I'm most. It's my treasure, and you know, we have so many in in this field and buildings and health. It's really not about in you know within green buildings. It's not about the individual superstar and about, you know, going out there on your own, it really is. And I have a mental map in my head of almost like nodes when you think of sensors. And, you know, the nodes are people, and they all have a very distinctive expertise of hard skills of soft skills. And I feel like for the buildings and health domain, I have a strong map in my head. And I'm really proud of that. And I think it's the most valuable thing I could have.
1: I love that. That is such a lovely way to think about that work and to think about what it means and what it stands for. It's beautiful. I want to just zoom out a little bit, Seema, and talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, the green building industry that you're referring to and and the buildings and health area of that. This is also often thought of as a movement. And I'm just curious, do you feel like you're part of an industry or a movement? And how do you think about those things for yourself?
2: You're more part of a movement than an industry. And it's actually very exciting to be able to say that, to say that I feel part of it. I would not have said that five years ago. I don't even know if I would have said that if we had had me on the show when you first, when we first talked about it two years ago. Uh, So it feels brand new and it's very exciting. This was my debut year at at Greenbuild; I had never been before and Felt like being at my wedding or something. It felt very, very exciting to actually be part of the movement and look around and think, I don't have to defend my spot here. I'm not the person who has come over from research and is hanging out with a little role, or I'm not the person who's, you know, has an expertise in health that we're going to see how that fits with the with the core pieces that people care about. It it feels like my experience of belonging reflects where a moment for help in the building industry. I think it does belong and one doesn't need to apologize anymore for, or explain, not that one ever had to apologize, but, you know, explain why health belongs, why health matters. So yes, I'm part of the movement. Thank you for including my areas of expertise and making me welcome. It's good to be here. you are
1: so welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I do think it is interesting because having been a part of the green building movement for a while, it has been really lovely to see its evolution and its and its open arms to different, you know, to a more holistic view really of all of the things that make up what it is we're trying to do, because it is such a holistic goal that it does include many, many disciplines and many sub and all, all sorts of communities within communities. So I I love that. I'm glad you feel welcome and certainly never apologize. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> or explain. That's fantastic. I'm just curious about where you thought the healthy building conversation might be mm-hmm. in the 2020s, you know, whether it's a movement or an industry, where if you thought this is where where it would be by this point in time,
2: yeah, the places that I expected, the things that are not a surprise, is that I I did expect health to be increasingly on the map in within sustainability, and that has not disappointed. In fact, I would say it's it's you know more on the map than I might have even expected, and and probably are recent pandemic has something to do with that. I also did expect, and, you know, it's borne out that technology and data would play a larger and larger role if it wasn't. I don't know that I would be in the field because that's very much what I feel like I bring to it. You know, expected that indoor air quality would be important, expected this sort of trend we are seeing reach greater and greater maturation from more prescriptive strategies, more prescriptive measures to a kind of performance-based orientation, you know, to integrative process, you know, was visible before and is, is accelerating. The piece that, that might have been less ex- expected for me was how, really frankly, how much stuff there would be. And, you know, there's a arc that I envision when a, when a field reaches maturation of increasing and increasing and increasing complexity, but that reaches a tipping point where after that you can synthesize and simplify. And I think I thought we would be further along the simplification piece than we are now. And, you know, with health, I think we have a lot of stuff. And and it's a very fragmented landscape. And it's hard to know how to navigate all the new solutions, all the new tools, all the new knowledge, you know, brand new knowledge emerging every day, it feels like and from many different fields, because it is so interdisciplinary. And so, You know, that piece is, I I think it's a really exciting challenge for us, uh, moving forward of how we now get to that kind of simplification that I see, at least as a, as an outsider to the energy and decarb world, I I feel like I see a, like a grouping around core ideas and, and a sense of focus. And, you know, I think part of the challenge is that health is different from energy. So I think we're not going to be able to use the same mold or the same approach to to achieve that type of simplicity and and unity of purpose that that we did for our sister pillars within sustainability Mm,
0: yeah yeah that is such a temptation such a problem for us I love that you're pointing that out it's just that we love to say like oh we did this for this you know complex but different topic and so now we're just going to apply the same approach to (laughs) <laughs> you know, like in the in the realm of health and yeah it's usually it it doesn't work but we haven't had a tendency to go back to the tried and true methods that we picked out uh, before on something else mm-hmm. um okay can, can i like i want to drill down a little bit more on this question about covid though because mm-hmm. you may remember like right around when the pandemic started I basically I think you and I were catching up and I was like oh god well now they're just going to be all the jobs for SEMA and Mm -hmm. like everybody's gonna and there are going to be a million of them you know like these kinds of new positions coming open because more and more people are going to realize oh indoor environments and sort of the health of them should be something that we manage for like risk reasons and all of that and I, you know, for me anyway, I feel like I haven't seen as much of that reaction that as I would have thought. So like, what, what do you think? Has it changed? Has Have you seen the reaction you might have hoped for, I guess, once people understood more about like ventilation and, and COVID and the, you know, the kinds of the impacts that buildings can have on our health?
2: I agree with you, Lindsay. That is another area I would have expected that the type of role, for instance, that I had at WeWork, I would have expected there'd be more of those available. And, you know, that really is what ties back to my original question of, is this a field? And, you know, where I feel like we still don't know, because I'm not seeing those popping up. In fact, that was a pretty unicorn role. And I haven't seen Many others, you know, I'm continuing to see different functions within real estate, whether it's design or operations, facilities, you know, benefit and be interested in right now and getting more for health knowledge, but exhibiting, I mean, practicing that through the lens of a core profession. So I agree with you. I'm not seeing this plethora of jobs for the kind of blend of experience that I have popping up yet. So That's on the one hand. But on the other hand, I would say my, you know, job search that I might have done two years ago looked different than the job search I did last year. So something has changed. And there's certainly more, there's more of a need, there's more of an interest in the type, in the pieces of expertise that I have, but it doesn't translate still to a a linear career trajectory that someone could. I, I can't still look at a young person and say with confidence, if you do what I did, <laughs> you will have, <laughs> you know, really fruitful and lucrative career path ahead of you. Cause the jobs still feel like they're unicorns and, and, you know, being invented and created.
0: Well, I hope that we look back on this podcast in like five, 10 years at most and say to ourselves like, Oh, remember when we, that was the problem. Cause mm-hmm. I really do think so. And, and like, that it will change, but also just an invitation to our listeners. If you feel like you know why it is, maybe you're a head of sustainability for a real estate company or you're doing sustainability inside a real estate department of a big company or something like that. I want to know why there aren't more people getting hired to actively manage the indoor environmental quality of our buildings, and Sima does too, because we. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. this is like a, what is what does this turn into as a, as a career over time, or is it one? Okay, well, so we could talk a lot more about that, but specifically though, you said you do feel like you're seeing some shifts happen, mm-hmm. so tell us what you see as the, as the progress areas, the places where you feel like we are making good progress in the world of healthy buildings. And then, you know, tell us where you think we haven't maybe haven't done enough or what you're excited to focus on more. Mm
2: -hmm. I think we've made great progress in building a nascent community for, for health in buildings. And so, you know, if I look back five years ago, I, would have felt pretty isolated or thought of myself as a, as I said, I would have thought of some parts of my expertise as being, as being relevant to what I'm doing, but I would have picked and and chosen. And now I feel very much a sense of there being other people like me. We're a community. We're pushing in the same direction. We know, increasingly we know who each other is. We can recognize a new one of us (laughs) when they're around or to, you know, we can, we're expanding the idea and, and it's not just, it's not a preset definition of what the community is. I think we're continuing to expand our reach into who and what is building that community and movement. So I think that's really important. I think that's really foundational. You know, we also, what I alluded to before that the other piece of the, yes, it's, it's fragmented and, and there's a lot and we need to simplify. But the good news is we, it's fragmented and there's a lot. So. You know, we do have a lot of new solutions, new tools. I think the other thing COVID did was stimulate a lot of new research and knowledge generation in the field of, you know, especially in indoor air quality where, where COVID is concerned. So there's a lot of, you know, raw material there. And then I think what I really didn't, you know, something that maybe is even a shift from this year is that there feels like an appreciation of the sense of urgency and the need for scale that you know feels new and fresh and very real and that's very valuable the move to with performance so all these things are real areas of progress in terms of what you know what i'm i'm impatient about what i'm excited to see more of moving forward is you know a few things i might flag first of all is around data you know and i i don't say this in order of priority more in order of the way things present in my mind because of my background i tend to think about data a lot and the importance of having data that's coordinated and you know i know that word interoperable has almost become a jargon at this stage but you know in plain terms we're collecting a lot of data in buildings right now and a lot of data on how strategies work or don't work so impact data a lot of business data on on business value of different things and, and it's all over the place. You know, these data are not being collected across organizations uh, or across products in a way that makes them more amenable to synthesis and to really activating that learning curve. So I, I really hope we, we, we solve that. If I look at, you know, five years from now, where do I hope we are? I hope that the data we're collecting is better Kind of organized and there's a better infrastructure for it. Some of the other things I would flag is just around, you know, equity. I think it's, it's front of mind for, for many of us across the industry where we've really need to widen our reach. I think this ties back to the scale and urgency piece and that we need to do it quickly. You know, we can't, I think almost our theory of change needs to be. Expanded with not the theory of change needs to be expanded, but the tools that we're using to activate change, you know, need to be innovated on. And I think the other one is just that I'm really excited about. And you know, you've had Adele Houghton on your show before, and the sort of place-based design work that that you know she and others have been really spearheading, I think, is really important. And and that's where that ties back to what we were talking about that the mold is going to be different for health than it is for you know, decarbonization or for some of the other performance areas within sustainability. And, you know, this is a great illustration of that, that especially for health, context really matters. And, you know, these are people we're talking about. There's an intrinsically, I don't know if I would call it subjective, but, you know, population-specific considerations, region-specific. So I think doing a better job of, you know, understanding community uh, climate zone specific priorities will you know will be a big part of what what comes next so those are some mm. highlights I could go on and on because you see this is this is where my head is deep in but I'll I'll pause there Lindsay.
0: <laughs> well the good news <laughs> is that it sounds like you're going to be working on this kind of a research agenda more or less so that's part mm-hmm. of your role so we get so you um, have all the space to Think about all the ways you would you would answer that question, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what you what you put out into the world along those lines. But yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm de- I'm definitely there with you on all of this. But I think, uh really resonates here. You how hearing you talk about data and what that's going to feel like? I, I, yeah, still just really feel like the, we're we're missing some opportunities there to mm-hmm. to inform our building operations with good data about the human experience and. Uh, yeah, there's so much there. Okay, well, we will all look forward to more of your thoughts on this moving forward as you work on the next sort of year or so of your job. The last question that we have for you, Seema, is when we ask all of our guests, so tell us who you are most inspired by these days in terms of leaders or people of any kind.
2: Yeah, that's a hard one because there's so Many names that jump to mind, but I am going to pick one out and just say, you know, for this particular chapter in my trajectory, Kelly Warden is has been just a huge inspiration. You know, for those who don't know her, she's currently at the International Well Building Institute, and if you're interested in buildings and health and you don't know Kelly. You know, you should know her <laughs> and she's, she's one of these real nodal people. So again, I feel like our movement is not about individual greatness. So when I think about being inspired by Kelly, it, it's a cluster I picture. And, and I think she's just been a really instrumental node. You know, she along with all the people, you know, 10 years ago who were already pioneering and spearheading work that gave me confidence gives me confidence that this is actually a field and you know it's a it's a very cogent and you know specific pillar within a performance pillar within our other priorities so very grateful to what she's done and no
0: no one is surprised I am not surprised sorry (laughs) a lot of people don't know you as well Siva, but but, that you would have such a thoughtful person that you would give so much credit for, because that is a classic SEMA characteristic of just the thoughtfulness and the gratitude that you put out for people around you. So I want to take this opportunity to make sure that you feel that right back in the deepest way, my gratitude. Mm And I, I think just, I know there's a lot of collective gratitude for the work that you're doing and the way that you show up to do this work and think about so carefully about how to communicate it all in the right way to the design community to you know buildings community etc that that translation it means a lot so thank you for for how how you show up and what you do
2: oh thanks Lindsay thanks for helping me belong here really appreciate it a lot of gratitude (laughs) for that
0: (laughs) of course and thank you Kira I don't I, there's no way I could spend enough time giving you gratitude.
1: So um, high fives as always. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. It's such ah. a pleasure, Seema, This has been so delightful. What a, what a pleasure to get to know you.
2: Likewise, yeah. great to meet you through this, Kira. I hope I hope this is not the first and last thing we'll we'll do together. So.
1: Nope, I'm sure not. <laughs> I'm sure
0: not. We are all in this together very much. And so with that, everyone, that is it for us this week on the Design the Future podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please leave us a review on Apple. It really matters. It helps people find us. Stay safe and we'll see you next time.